You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I had the privilege of growing up next door to my grandfather, Grandpa Harvey, and, and Grandma Harvey. My, my grandpa was um, a, a wonderful person. He, he loved God deeply. He cried easily. <laughs> We could be picking strawberries and he would just start crying because he would say, look at, look at what God has given us. Look what God does, you know. He, he was a great storyteller. And I can remember listening to my grandpa tell story after story. And really they were just the story of our lives. He, he passed that trade on to my dad. My dad was a really good storyteller. My dad was kind of a funny guy. And, and I remember sitting around our kitchen table with maybe family members or friends from church or friends from the community. And, and my dad would just tell story after story. And, and all four of us kids, we, we just thought our dad was the best storyteller you could imagine. I, I didn't know then what I know now. Those stories helped shape my life. The stories we tell have power. And the lessons that I learned in the stories that I was told as a kid impacted my life greatly. I think it's why Jesus told so many stories. Jesus told parable after parable after parable because Jesus knew that story has the power to shape us. And so I'm going to give you three words. And when I give you these three words... There's going to be a whole lot that happens inside of your head. You ready for my three words? The Good Samaritan. Think about it. It's a story that Jesus told about a Samaritan man who walks down the road one day and sees a Jewish man who has been robbed, beaten, and left for dead. Regardless of their cultural differences, the Samaritan cares for the man. Takes him to an end. Helps nurse him to health. Finally says, I've got to be on my way, but I'll come back through. Do whatever he needs. And I'll pay the difference in the cost. And so there's this incredible lesson that Jesus gives us about what it means to be a good neighbor to somebody. And so when you think about the impact of that story on society for the last 2,000 years, it's immeasurable. There are organizations all around the world that have the name Samaritan in them because of that story, like Samaritan's Purse. When I was in Cincinnati, we had a hospital called Good Samaritan. We called it Good Sam. What logic to name a hospital, a place where you take people who need help and healing and restoration. And so you call it the Good Samaritan. Stories have power. Jesus told lots of stories. So I want you to think about context for a minute. When Jesus shows up 2,000 years ago as an Israelite, as a Jewish man, what's happening with the nation of Israel? Well, they're living under the heavy burden of Roman rule. So the Jews have this belief that God is going to send a Messiah and he's going to deliver Israel from the oppression that they're under. Uh, th- their idea of the kingdom of God coming to the earth is, is when you finally come to this place where you, uh, where you defeat, uh, the one who is oppressing you. 
you rise up and you rebel and God makes everything right for the nation of Israel on earth. Well, obviously Jesus had a different picture of the kingdom of God. And so what does he do? He explains it by telling stories or parables. And he says things like this. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is digging one day in a field and he finds a treasure. And so he buries the treasure back in the field. And then he goes and sells everything he has in order to buy the field. And Jesus was saying that there is something in life that is worth everything. Everything. I'm, I'm making some noises and I wish I knew how to quit, but I don't know how to stop making them. So we'll deal with it, okay? The, the, the word from the Latin, parable, simply means comparison. And so that's why Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell a parable, a comparison, a story. So let's get on the same page. Here's a good definition for a parable. It's a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. And so what Jesus would do is he would engage people in stories. He would tell them stories about farms and stories about weddings and, and stories about everything you can imagine in their day. Tell these simple stories and, and he would illustrate this, this spiritual lesson by telling the story. And so what we're going to do this summer is hang out in some of Jesus' stories and talk about what they mean to us, okay? So, with all of that in mind, what if you were going to talk about the most important choice an individual will ever make in their life? What story would you tell? If you wanted to talk about the most important decision that a person will ever make in their life, what story would you tell? Jesus told the story about the wise and the foolish builders. So that's where we're going to hang out for the rest of our time this morning. We're going to talk about the fact that there is one choice in life that is more important than any other choice you'll ever make. There is something in your life that matters more than anything else can ever matter. And that one thing that matters more than anything else is will I follow Jesus? The most important choice in life, according to Scripture, is this one. In other words, what are you going to base your whole life on? What are you going to build your life on? You and I know that we're not going to live forever. One day, the life as we know it comes to an end. And there's a world beyond this world. And here's a fact. Everybody in the room is basing their life on something. Everybody. You're basing your whole life on something. And one day you're going to come to the end of your life. Are you going to say, oh, thank the Lord. I based my life on the right thing. I cannot imagine coming to the end of my life and saying, oh, no. I based my whole life on the wrong thing and it is not going to pay what I hoped it would produce. This morning early, I was with the Cawthorn family. At the age of 78, Hal Cawthorn went to be with the Lord today. It had been a tough few months. 
He had been very sick. You understand, when, when we gather together in a few days to celebrate his life, we're going to say, Dr. Hal Cawthron based his life on the right thing. He, he was a professor of mine in college, Trevecca Nazarene University, 40 years ago. It's hard to say. It's hard to believe. We gathered around this morning as a family and kind of huddled together and we prayed and we we tried to imagine what he must be experiencing right now in the presence of Jesus. And we, we celebrated the fact that one day he would welcome us into Jesus' presence. But he's come to the end. And he based his life on Jesus. He built on that foundation. The rock. And he made the right choice. And, and so I've just been thinking and praying. And I've been thinking about what might happen today in this room. What if somebody had an encounter with God that radically changed their life? And, and from Father's Day 2023, they were never the same again. And a whole new world opened up for them. As they began to follow the radical teachings of Jesus. And, and they came to this place of saying, I'm all in. 100%. I don't know where it's going to take me or lead me. But I'm doing this. I'm going to follow Jesus with the rest of my life. This radical way of Jesus. And my life will be forever changed. So let me take you to the story, okay? It's in Matthew chapter 7, and I'll start reading with verse 24. And so here are the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, and he's ending the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews 5, 6, and 7. We're in the last few verses of chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, he's talking about these last three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now listen to the other side of the story. But everyone who hears these words of mine. And does not put them into practice. Is like a foolish man. Who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew. Beat against that house. And it fell. With a great crash as Jesus comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount he has been preaching and preaching and finally he gets to the end and he talks about a wide gate and a narrow gate he says there's a there's a wide road a wide gate and it leads to a wide road and and there's a lot of people taking that road a lot of people are making that choice but he says, here's the problem. 
is not a good road. It leads you to a bad place. It's not how you want your life to end up. He says, but there's also a narrow gate. And that narrow gate, well, not as many people are choosing it. But it leads to a narrow road. And it leads to life. It's as if Jesus says, after I've preached and preached to you, and you've heard these words of mine, now I'm asking you to make a choice. I'm asking you to choose which road you're going to take. I'm asking you to choose what you're going to build your life on. Will you build your life on my words, which is a solid foundation? Or will you build your life on shifting sand, which does not have a good outcome? You realize you don't live forever. Your life's coming to an end in this world. As we know, it. you'll transition to another world. You've got a lot to think about. And Jesus was saying, you've got a choice to make. What are you going to base your life on? So let me, let me pull up a chair and talk to you for a few minutes, okay? I was last week at what we call General Assembly for the Church of the Nazarene in Indianapolis, Indiana. I told you that Pastor Nick led the worship for the services. On Sunday morning, there were over 15, between 15 and 20,000 people there from literally all over the world. So when I say it was a global experience, I mean... A global experience. The services were translated in almost every language known to man. Representatives from country after country after country. And we all came together in one place. You can't imagine how beautiful it was. And what it was like to worship. Standing beside people from every other nation that you can imagine. Many of our staff were involved in... I was very proud as a pastor to have so many of our people helping with that that great event. On Sunday night, your former pastor, David Busick, preached. Maybe one of the best sermons I've ever heard him preach in my life. It was it was incredible. And and here was the takeaway. Here's what I walked away with. Here's the idea that that if you, you know, Look at your life today and say, I don't feel like as a Christian I have a lot of power, you know. Um, I don't feel very empowered by God as a believer. Um, if you said, you know, my my goal in life is, is to, you know, do, do what I do through the week and you know, weekends I, I go to church, I, I focus on God there, but that's that's kind of where I focus mostly on God. I mean, we're busy and we got a lot going on in our family. And, um, you know, I keep up with a lot of different things in life. And, uh, and, and I don't really see myself as a person who is, um, who is really um, trying to make a, a major difference in the kingdom of God. But I, I try to live a good life. David said, if that's who you are, then you really don't need power. I mean, do, do you really need power from on high? If, if your goal in life is to, well, I'm going to go to church on Sundays, but 
Other than that, we're pretty busy and I'm not seeing myself making a big impact in the world for the kingdom of God. He said, well, you don't need power. But if you would say, I'm ready to combat the powers of evil. I want to be a difference maker. I want to share Jesus. I want to take on the enemy. He said, then you need power. Would, would you look into my eyes for a minute? Are, are you more interested in just kind of being comfortable? I don't want to upset things, Rick. I'm, I'm, I'm living a good life. We're, we have a, a fairly comfortable life that we're living in. And if you're wanting me to really get involved in combating the powers of evil, I, I don't know that I'm into that. I don't want to stir things up. I, I kind of want to go along like I am. And on Sundays, I'll be here. You can count on me and I'll give a little in the offering. But basically, I'm pretty committed to being a little more comfortable. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about living in that comfort zone this morning, okay? The Jewish people of Jesus' day that he was talking to, there were disciples, but the last verse tells us there were crowds around him when he gave the sermon. They were Jewish people. If you ask them, what are you basing your life on? They would say the law. Rightfully so, the law was given by God. God gave them the law and told them to live by the law. And so they would say, that's the rock I'm basing my life on. If you ask me, what am I basing my whole life on? I'm basing my life on the law. Well, God gave them the law. Why, why wouldn't they? The, the problem was they misunderstood the intent of the law. And they began to see it as a list of rules. 1,606, rather, 613 rules to be exact. 613. And so their life became about, if I can just keep the rules then God and me will be okay, and, and I'm basing my life on the right things. But somehow in keeping the rules, they lost the spirit of the rules. It's why Jesus tried to correct them, and he said, you know, you've, you've heard it said don't murder, but I'm saying if you're angry with your brother, you're, you've got some things to work out with God. In fact, if you show up at the church... To worship like this on Sunday morning and you remember that there's something between you and somebody else. You need to leave the service and go make it right. Then you come back and worship. You've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, no, no. I'm telling you, you got to love your enemy. The person who hurts you. The person who wishes ill on you. The person who has made your life more difficult. It's the radical way of Jesus. This is the intention of the law all along. It was the intention of God. God always wanted you to love. In fact, somebody said to Jesus, what's the most important command? He said, well, love God and love your neighbor. Look earlier in this chapter, chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything Jesus says, do to others what you would have them do to you. It's the golden rule. And then he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. 
It was always about loving people. In every situation, the only question you have to ask is what does it mean to love in this moment? And he gives example after example about how we should love. Somebody strikes you on the right cheek, what do you do? Slap them back? No. You offer the other cheek. What? It's the radical way of Jesus. It's loving people who love you and loving people who don't love you. That's what Jesus' followers look like. And so, Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets and he establishes a new covenant. And now he looks them in the eye and he says... Will you continue to follow the religious system of the day or will you follow me? The question they had to answer was this. Will I remain in my comfort zone following the religious system of the day or will I follow Jesus? It's the same question you and I have to ask. What's the religious system of the day? What, what, what does it look like in the United States of America in 2023 to be a Christian? What do we see in the Christian community? Do we see people turning the other cheek? Do we see people loving their enemies? Do we see people on Sunday morning saying, I I can't stay, I've got to go. There's something between me and a friend and I have to go ask for forgiveness and then I'll come back and I'll worship. I shouldn't be here, Rick. And you and I are faced with the same question they were faced with. Will I follow the radical way of Jesus? Will I build my life on that? Or will I just kind of live in a comfort zone of this kind of American form of Christianity that says, you cut me off in traffic, you're going to hear from me. And I feel fully justified. As a Jesus follower. I can't get to the end. And realize I based my life on the wrong thing. That I kind of got sucked into a culture. That led me down a path. That you can't depend on. I brought a picture. Have you been watching Oklahoma University's women's softball team? Okay. Has anybody been watching Oklahoma? Oh, I got a few. Yeah. They're celebrating history. Third time in a row national champions. Only one other team has accomplished that, Arizona. What's interesting to me is just their outward 
confession of faith. Patty Gasso said years ago, God made it clear to me that I wasn't here to win softball games. I was here to win souls. Who do you hear that's that outward about being Christian and what their motives are in this world today? At such a level of recognition, you think about the team captain and and her bold statements about how that her joy is found in Jesus Christ. And other teammates say the same thing. What, what, what I think just overwhelms me is when I watch their interviews or I listen to them speak or I watch them celebrate after games and you know their mantra is eyes up. You know, we're, we're fixed on Jesus. That's what our lives are about. We love softball, but that's not what we're about. We're about Jesus. We're about something way bigger than softball. It's about Jesus. They've come to their place in their lives where they've said, hey, we're all in. And we're outward and we're verbal and we're Jesus followers. And that's the way it is. We're putting his words into practice as well as we know how. And Jesus says to the people that are listening to him when he concludes the Sermon on the Mount. I'm talking to the people who will take these words of mine and put them into practice. Here's the to-do part of the sermon. It's following Jesus and accepting his radical way of life. It's building my life on that foundation. Because there's nothing else in life that is solid. Everything else will let you down. You may be looking at me saying, Rick, if we, we could end up in Africa. You could. I know people who have. I mean, I could end up selling a bunch of stuff. Yep, you could. I know people who do. I mean, if I really took on Jesus' way of life, I mean, I could. Yeah, it could happen. Jesus takes us to radical places. And it's the only thing worth your life. The only thing. Let me tell you a good Father's Day story. Would you like to hear one? And I think it kind of brings us all together. I have a friend named Stan. Stan Reeder. He he serves the church right now as a... Um, uh, a regional director for the for the Nazarene Church, overseeing all the congregations in the USA and Canada. That's his job, okay? And he told me a story not long ago, and I said, could I share your story with my church? It's awesome. He says, I'd love for you to share your story, my story with your church. He said, my dad was an engineer, prototypical engineer, had the pocket protector with the ink pens lined up neatly in it. He loved Math and solving difficult math problems. And his company would send him literally all around the world to solve major problems. He said one time my dad was in Nova Scotia, Canada. They were raised in Canada about a thousand miles from our home to solve a major problem in a manufacturing plant that made trains. And he said my, my dad had been there all morning working hard, pouring over equations trying to solve this issue as an engineer and he couldn't get it solved and he decided for his lunch break he should just go outside 
and just gets some fresh air, clears mind and goes for a walk. Stan said, I grew up going to a Nazarene church and lo and behold, as my dad goes on a walk, he passes on his walk a small Nazarene church. My dad stopped in the yard of that little Nazarene church. He said it was actually just a basement church. You could tell they built the basement first, hoping one day they'd have money to build on top. But they hadn't built on top yet. It was just the basement. Church of the Nazarene was the sign. And you walked down a stairwell into a basement. So my dad decided that instead of going any further, he was just going to kneel down there under a tree and spend his lunch hour praying for that church. The kind of guy he was. It's what his life was based on. That was the foundation of his life. And so for his lunch hour, he just prayed for that church. Just prayed. He prayed for a spiritual awakening for the church. He prayed that people from the community would come to know Jesus through the ministry of that church. He prayed for the power of God to move through that church. He prayed for the pastor of the church. He just spent his lunch hour praying for that church. Little did he know that a year later, they had special services at that little basement church. And a young boy from the neighborhood came and he gave his life to Jesus. And he goes home and he says to his sister, Janet, Janet, you have to go to church with me tomorrow night. Janet went the next night and she became a Christian. They went home and told their mother, you have to go to church with us. She went to church with them. She became a Christian. Finally, Janet's seven sisters and other brother, there were two boys and eight girls, all became Christian. Two years later, the father, who said he would never go to the church, came to church to hear Janet sing. And he became a Christian. The whole family. And many others. And the church grew. And they built on an education wing. And they built the top part of the church. And they built on a fellowship hall. And the church was vibrant. A dozen years later, Stan said, My dad and I pull up to that church because it was my wedding day. And I was there to marry Janet. That little girl who was saved a year after my dad spent his lunch hour praying in that lawn that that church would reach kids in that community for Jesus. We got out of the car and my dad said, oh my goodness, this is it. <laughs> this is the church. He said it was overwhelming for us as a family to think that God heard the prayers of my father some 13 years ago. And the lady who would be my wife was saved as a result of my dad's prayers. It's, 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 it's not a difficult parable. Right? You read it through one time and you say, I, I think I get what he's saying, right? And then Jesus said, you got a choice. I'm calling you today to an account to make a choice. What are you going to base your life on? So I want you to stand with me. I, th I think this is one of those days. I think it's one of those days where we say it would be good to finish our time together in prayer today, right? I, I think it's one of those days where um, it's okay 
for a husband to look over his wife or a wife to look over her husband or for family members to look at each other and agree, we, we want to go down together and pray as a family. It, it may be that there's somebody that you love in your family who doesn't know Jesus. And uh, they're not basing their life on the solid rock of Christ. And you want to come and pray for them. I think this is the day that you do that kind of thing. It's the day you pray for a son or a daughter. It's the day that you pray for a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or another family member. I, I think it's a day when somebody comes and says, I'm building my life on the wrong things. And I'm basing my life on something that's not going to pay in the end. And Father's Day 2023 is the day that I change. And, and you look back on your life from this day forward and say, this was the day that the trajectory of my life and my family's life became different. That's the day I began to build my life on the rock that would never let me down. And when I come back in a moment, I want to pray especially for dads, okay? So we're going to sing. And as we sing this morning, if, if you would like to come and pray, if you'd like to come as a family or as a couple or with friends and pray, I think this is the day that we pray together before we go. Let's sing and let's pray.
So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would work powerfully in our lives. Commitments and choices are being made here today. And I know that you will empower us to live the radical way of Jesus. I pray especially for dads this morning. They carry such a, a load, such a weight. And they have the task of, of leading. Give them grace, Lord. Empower them. Bless them to remain on this solid rock of Jesus and to live out before their families the radical way of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so on this Father's Day, May the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Amen. You're dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.